Reading now from the first chapter of Jeremiah. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a boy. For you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put his hand out and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As Sophia, queen of the golden girls, used to say, picture this. The year was 1997, a simpler time when young people did not carry mobile phones wherever they went, especially not overseas. It was a different world where people flooded into internet cafes not to drink coffee, but to see what a Yahoo search engine could do. Throughout the world, people would line up and pay by the minute to access the exciting World Wide Web in smoke-filled cafes. I frequented those smoke-filled rooms throughout 1997, sending emails halfway across the world to a girl at Wofford College. She would check her email, confirm the scheduled phone call, and every two weeks, I would stand at a payphone and be excited about those few precious moments of hearing her voice. Sounds romantic, doesn't it? Like Sleepless in Seattle meets Casablanca. It was more like a bad version of a Verizon commercial. Can you hear me now? We were time zones apart so it was rarely convenient for both of us. I was standing on the streets trying to filter out the background noises. I'd call, she'd answer, we'd both be excited, start talking, only there was a delay so we would talk over one another, then pause, then apologize, then both start talking over one another, all the while calculating the cost of each passing minute. The clearest communication we had during those months were over emails and the truly precious moments when we were actually in the same room. Technology has given us better internet capabilities in the last 20 years and clearer phone calls no matter where we are, but we all, not just Sally and me, still communicate best in person or through well-thought-out letters because we have more background noises than ever and are still quite capable of talking right over or right past one another. 
It takes some doing to receive a clear call, including one from the Lord. I was talking to someone recently who was very frustrated about not hearing clearly from the Lord. She told me she had prayed, read, struggled, meditated, waited, but still felt uncertain about which direction God was calling her. She said, I made it simple for God. Is it this or is it this? But she still didn't know what God wanted. She's certainly not alone. We want clarity. We want signs. We want some way of knowing for sure what God would have us do. Abraham got them. Moses heard directly from the Lord. Daniel read the writing on the wall. Paul received a clear message. Where's ours? My friend asked me about my call to ministry. She assumed that it had been an easy, very clear call. She assumed too much. On that same jaunt around the world in 1997, I spent a month in Zimbabwe wrestling with God. That month, by the way, came seven years into wondering whether God was calling me into pastoral ministry or not. Seven years of wandering, and still every day of May 1997, I was yo-yoing back and forth. God, do you want me to go to seminary? Okay, I'll go. Next day, God, do you really want me to go to seminary? I'm not going. Back and forth, no writing on the walls, no burning bushes, no thunderbolts from heaven that convinced me I had heard the word of the Lord clearly. There was a voice, however. A quiet one. His name was Greg Duncan. And he was a recruiter for Duke Divinity School. A year after he had said it to me, a month into wrestling with God, I remembered Greg responding to my vocational angst. So what if you come to Divinity School and end up not being a pastor? How much will it have cost you, really? You have no major responsibilities. Worst case, you spend three years up here growing, studying, learning, experiencing more about God and the faith, and then you use it in some other way. And a year after he said it, a month after wrestling with God, I finally said, okay, I'll go. Was that God's call? Or Greg doing his job pretty well? Or was God able to use Greg doing his job well to call? Did you notice the time frame? Seven years and still no decisive answer, just a nudge to give it a try. Seven years of wondering and still the call was not crystal clear. At best, It was clearing. It was at times like a faint sound being overwhelmed by street noise. At times like the beginning of a sentence that gets cut off midway through. Sometimes I spoke right on top of it and missed what was being said. But there was this voice 
The voice of a man I trusted. The voice of a man I thought could be speaking for God. God could, I thought, be calling me through him and through the many other voices who had been encouraging over the years. I was still uncertain when I began school. I I finished school and still had questions about my call. This is important. It was only in the practicing of ministry, the internships, the work I did in my first years here as an associate that helped that call come through most clearly. It was doing the work and then hearing your affirming voices that helped convince me, I was increasingly convinced even though I never heard the voice of the Lord say, Will go be a pastor. We long for a call direct from God's mouth, a call like Jeremiah received. We envy his call, at least for his clarity, if not for its assignment. God left him no doubt. He couldn't blame the signal or the background noise. There was no, Sorry, God, you're coming in and out. I'll have to talk with you later. Jeremiah was told, I've claimed you, I've claimed you since even before you were in the womb, and I have big work for you to do. Being young was no excuse. Being inexperienced was no excuse. Being afraid was no excuse. Jeremiah was to go and to tell powerful people hard words about their unfaithfulness and what would come of it. We may not want Jeremiah's assignment, but we do want clarity. What would you have me do, God? What is your call, Lord? Give me a sign. Those seem hard to come by. What are much more readily available are people and words. While I traveled, Sally and I had the good fortune of this burgeoning new thing, the email system. These emails we were sending back and forth could not take the place of hearing her voice, but they did keep us connected. I could read her words and respond. If I didn't understand what she was saying, I could write back and ask her to say more about it or or say it a different way. Where the phone calls were frustrating, the emails were clarifying. It was helpful to read her words, especially when I couldn't always understand them over the phone. If you're trying to understand God's call on your life, one place to turn would be God's words, Scripture. Now, I know it won't say, take this job, move this direction, accept his proposal, but it will tell you plenty about how to treat other people. And about what Jesus prioritized in fulfilling God's calling on his life. And and what it means to live the faith. And knowing these will bring more clarity when you're trying to make the decisions that you are struggling to make. Knowing these things will help you fulfill God's calling because they'll help you live as God would have you live. I think we speak too narrowly sometimes when we talk about God's call. It's like we limit it to what will my job be or or, or which mission am I supposed to be part of. 
instead of thinking of calling as being how should I be, Jeremiah would not have been called to the specific prophetic ministry he was called to if the rulers were fulfilling their calls as outlined in the scriptures. If the rulers and Israel were being faithful to God and to one another, there wouldn't be a need for a prophet to stand up and say, be faithful to God and to one another. So we're trying to figure out what God's call on our lives is. The written word, the Bible, is a good place to start. Spending time with those words helps God's call come through despite the other noises that are always seeking to drown it out. That's why we have a day like today, Disciple Day, encouraging you to take the time to give yourself the gift of being part of these Bible studies. That's why in the bulletin there's this long list, not just of disciple, but other ways to, to grow together in reading the Scriptures. That's why we emphasize Sunday school, all that it can mean in your lives. We give God the opportunity. He'll speak to us through these words. And He'll speak to us through those we spend time with. Just as Bibles are everywhere, so are people. Spending time with faithful people gives God more opportunities to speak to us through faithful people. And if you do, be prepared. God just might use their voices to call out to you. They're saying things like obnoxious things like, you know, Central needs faithful people to teach Sunday school classes for all ages and to mentor the children and youth in their faith, and you might be one of those people. That, by the way, is not just a rhetorical thing. We keep calling you to that because we keep hearing the call to do even better with our Christian education around here. We want to do the very best we can at forming disciples of Jesus Christ, and you may be the ones to help us do that. All right, let me wrap it up. Second week in a row, I've disappointed you. I couldn't preach to you how to get rid of all the stress in your life last week. I can't preach to you how to make discipleship easy. And I can't preach to you the three steps you need to know in order to hear exactly what God is saying to you this day. Can't do it. I can't say for sure if what is keeping you up at night is God or what you ate for supper. For particular matters, the best I know to tell you is to pray, read, discuss, study, think, and try. But for every matter, I think the calling ends up being the same. Approach it as a disciple of Jesus Christ, going as he taught, doing as he modeled. If you do that, soon enough, tomorrow, seven years, ten years from now, at least his call will be clearer. It's the best I can do.